You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, Episode 3. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapists Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Ramback, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. In this episode, I'm chatting with Amanda Clay. Amanda is a St. Louis native and Chicagoland transplant as of 2012. She works at a therapeutic day school for children with autism spectrum disorders, where she's frequently pinching herself with how lucky she is to have so much fun at work every day. Amanda has a husband and young son and is navigating her way through new motherhood through minor failures and occasional triumphs. Right, so welcome to the podcast, Amanda. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with talking a little bit about your background with your career and how you became a music therapist and how you're working as one today. Yeah, um, I really early on identified that this is what I wanted to do. Um, a lot of people you know, go through like a spurts and spurts of like what they want to do. And I want to be this and that, but pretty much by the time I was 16, I knew I wanted to uh, pursue a career in music therapy. Thank goodness that worked out because 15 years later, I'm still doing it. Um, the, um, first, um, place that I kind of had on my radar as a good school to go to was the university of Kansas. Um, so I basically only applied there. I knew that that was where I wanted to go. Um, I visited a couple of campuses that offered music therapy. There's not that many, and there weren't then especially. So um, University of Kansas was just so so clearly my home, and I loved it there. Um, the one thing that I noticed while I was there was that despite the fact that I loved the program and I loved all of my professors and I really liked being there for college, I knew that I wanted to end up back in St. Louis, where I'm from. Um, so halfway through, I threw up a total... Hail Mary and applied to Maryville University in St. Louis and um, finished my degree there. And I did, um, I kind of wanted the opportunity to connect with um, the hospitals that are in St. Louis. It's a much um, bigger city than Lawrence is. Um, and I, I kind of got this impression that if I was going to stay at KU, I was probably going to end up living in Kansas and doing work in Kansas and doing my internship there. And um, not that there's anything wrong with that. They do amazing work in the state of Kansas. I just knew I was wanting to go home at some point. So um, making those connections early on was kind of important to me. Um, So that's where I ended up uh, transferring. Um, And then so I graduated from there and I did my internship at a place called Metropolitan St. Louis Psychiatric Center um, and uh, had a great experience and really, really lucked out because two things happened. One, someone who I was being supervised by broke her leg. That's terrible for her. It just helped for me because I was able to um, really take over her caseload and show that like I could completely handle a caseload on my own. Um, and then the other thing is that one of the music therapists that was supervising me decided to get her PhD, so she left. So there was a job just waiting for me at the end of my internship. Oh, so wow. I yeah. so you really lucked out. That's I really, wonderful. really did. Because I not only got to kind of like train and apply for the job that I eventually ended up doing, I um, there was this this opportunity that, I mean, any 
any student music therapist that's listening to this right now is like, oh, you got so lucky. I know how it is for real. And like, trust me when I say I was totally in that position. I was applying to anything and everything that even smelled like music therapy at that point. So when I saw that this opportunity was presenting itself, I couldn't even believe my luck. And I um, took the job. I ended up working there for five years. um, And um, during that five years, actually, um, started my master's degree again at Maryville University. Um, and that's when I found out I was pregnant. So oh my gosh, <laughs> I put, I of course put the master's degree on hold, um, and thought like, okay, I'll just, you know, get back to that. Um, and then when our son was about one, we found out that we were going to be transferred to Chicago. So, um, the plan was always once he was one, I would go back to school, but instead it was like, okay, instead you're going to start your career over buy a new house, live in a new city for the first time in 28 years and all of that. So, um, wow, that had yeah, to be so, <laughs> very overwhelming and a little scary. It was, I mean, I will say this, my husband, and I had a lot of honest conversations that with his job, we would likely be looking at a transfer somewhere down the road. Um, and when we discussed where those places would be one of the top of our list and pretty much the only place that I would ever consider was Chicago. So ending up in this area was something that I was prepared for and excited about. It still was crazy. And I'd only been do I'd been doing the same job for five years and more than that, if you counted my internship. Um, so thinking about finding something else and doing something else was really scary. I was working only in psych, which is such a small niche in our, in our community as music therapists. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, you're not necessarily going to find a job like that. And you're not necessarily going to find a job that, um, even if it is in psych, it might not be the same kind of um, population that you've been serving. So that was, that was, it was, it was nerve wracking. And I will say it took me exactly one year to find a job here that I was comfortable taking. Wow. That would help. So, so what yeah. did you do in the meantime while you were looking for a job? <laughs> I was basically a single mom. I, my husband lived and worked in Chicago and basically came back on weekends or during the week. He does have the flexibility that his office is out of his home, but if he had to see any of his accounts at all, he was living here. Um, and we sold our house very quickly and we bought a house very quickly, which was nice. So we had a home base. Um, and so I lived with my dad, with my son and, we, you know, just had this interesting threes company dynamic. And, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> um, and we did that for, um, I think it was only six months that we were in that period where Jim was going back and forth and I was, um, just with my, um, son and my dad. (laughs) Wow. Wow. uh, That's, that's such an interesting dynamic. I'm sure it really was. And like looking back at it, it feels like it was just a blip at the time. It was really, really hard. It was, you know, probably one of the more challenging points, um, just because we just wanted to get here. You know, it was like, I was, I was so open to moving. I was so ready and prepared. And now we're stuck in this limbo. Um, but I do, Knowing what I do now that I, you know, I work at this amazing therapeutic day school for children with autism and the opportunities that I've been pro- provided and the, uh, the work that I'm doing, it's like I finally found what I was meant to be doing. I loved psych. I loved everything I was doing, but I had no idea that I was totally missing this passion um, until I started doing it. I mean, this is just, it's so clear. This is where I was meant to be. And so sometimes I think, okay, well, it was a little, it was worth maybe the one year wait because I really got a good payoff at the end. Right. And you would have never discovered that had your husband not been transferred and you had to start this new life. 
Exactly. I, I, I've said that, I've said that to my current employers many times and I said it to my, um, to my employer at the time when I was, when I was turning in my resignation, I would never have left that job. I liked it. I was happy. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel stuck. I felt like I was learning new things and getting a lot of great opportunities there. So I would have never left. I mean, in it's, it's so funny that like I was making that plan, but you know, life happened instead. Right. Which it usually does. That's the way things go. Of course. Well, I, I can't wait to hear more about your current work, but let's back up just a little bit. And, um, were you, did you continue working at your job in psych when you were pregnant? I did. I did. I worked until I was 40 weeks and one day pregnant. Oh, the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about being pregnant and working in that setting. Cause I'm sure yeah. that for some people that sounds, you know, a little frightening, maybe frightening. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I, it, it was, especially my, I think the, the hardest and most tricky part for me was the beginning when we weren't ready to tell anyone. Um, but that like I knew and, um, kind of like noticing that like, you know, the reality of that population is that you're going to sometimes have individuals who are, um, you know, aggressive or agitated, um, and, um, that's just a reality of that population. It's something that I was very comfortable with at the time. Um, but when you're pregnant, you can't help, you can't intervene, um, and you kind of want to get out of the way. Um, and that, that is completely expected among, um, my coworkers, except that they didn't know that I was pregnant. So right. like kind of not helping a patient through a situation or taking a step back instead of, you know, trying to comfort them. Um, that, that was probably, it probably seemed very odd to my coworkers at the time. And I'm also kind of a ball of energy and I'm pretty chatty. Um, and I'm pretty energetic all, uh, in the way that I, you know, go about my day. And I think that like people started noticing how run down I seemed and I was horrifically nauseous for like 20 weeks of the pregnancy. So I think that like, it was probably more obvious than I let on, but that job does require a whole lot of, um, you know, just thinking on your feet, being present, being in the moment. And that was, that was really difficult. Um, once I was pregnant and like people knew and it was very obvious and I was walking around, it wasn't so bad. The, the great news about psych is that like you do a lot of groups where you're sitting down and, mm-hmm. um, you know, sitting around a table and talking. So it's not like a lot of being on your feet time. Um, and honestly, the patient, more than anything, the patients would be like curious and, um, you know, congratulatory and really, really awesome about the fact that I was pregnant. Um, and that would sometimes come up in group discussions and stuff like that in a, in a polite way, in a, um, not in a crossing boundaries way. So it was, it was really, I had a good experience as far as that went. And, um, because people knew I was pregnant, I wasn't expected to, um, you know, participate in anything that could possibly, um, harm me or the, or the baby. So, um, I, I had a wonderfully supportive vibe the whole time, which was nice. That's great. And I'm sure that yeah. made a huge difference for you. It did. It yeah. did. So, so once you had the baby, what did your maternity leave look like? I just had such, I had such a dream maternity leave when I think about it now, like that was the best benefit that I didn't know I was getting when I signed up for that job. Um, the state of, I, the hospital is owned and operated by the state of Missouri and they offer all of their employees um, six weeks of annual, or I'm sorry, three weeks of annual leave, three weeks of sick leave. And then you can bank a lot of that time. You're, you can bank as much sick leave as you want ever. Like, oh so if gosh, you never, it never expires, it never expires. Annual leave does expire, but only after six weeks. So you could have six full weeks of vacation in your, in your bank, plus all of that sick leave. And if, if you've got it, it's yours to spend. 
Um, and so that is something quite incredible. I don't know if that's still how it is. It, it was when I left two years ago. Um, as well as like if you work a minor holiday, which was required by my department, you got to bank that time too. And that was how your maternity leave was, was built. And so I could have obviously the 12 weeks of FMLA um, and the and my job would be protected and all of the things that are federally protected. Um, and that would be paid if I had that amount of time in my bank. Um, but then my boss also approached me and said, if you want to take more time and you've got it and you can work it out, you can take it. She was just really upfront. She's like, you'll have a job waiting. Don't worry about it. It was so wonderfully supportive. Um, wow. I, the thing is, is though, is that, I, you know, I, I don't think that I was really thinking about it in that, in those terms when I had all that time. And so I did not say, I was not banking time. I was not like saving it up for anything. I took two weeks at my wedding and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I had to basically work through my pregnancy so that I could continue accruing time all the way up to that 40 weeks so that I would have eight weeks of maternity leave. Um, the big thing that I felt about maternity leave and the fact that I had this like wealth of time to take is that I also never wanted to scrape the bottom of the barrel because the way that I saw it was, it's not like I'm taking these eight weeks of maternity leave and going back to work forever. It's like, then you have a child to take care of and you might have to take time off because you're sick or the baby's sick or both. Um, and you know, there's, there's a lot of added responsibility. So I didn't want to be without time as well when I got back. Right. So I was, I, there was this balancing act of like, I want exactly this much time. And then I want there to be a little time left so that we're both okay in case anything goes wrong, God forbid, or whatever. So yeah. that was smart uh, that you were thinking ahead about that. Yes. yes. <laughs> I know for me, I didn't have a whole lot of foresight <laughs> before the baby was born. And I was thinking yeah. just about my maternity leave and totally. that was it. So yes. Yeah. And, and I mean, honestly, like that's such an important time and it's such like a good bonding time. So if all of my time was spent just doing that, it would have been fine. And like looking at how things worked out, it would have been fine. Um, but yeah, that was, that was for me, the scary thing that I was like, Ooh, if I can't, if they won't allow me to take time off and my kid's sick, like that's the, that's the part that I do really want to be there for and really make sure that I'm able to, you know, step in and do, and do, um, you know, the taking care of the kid part. Sure. Um, the, um, the interesting thing is though, is that right at the end of my maternity leave, I was in contact with my boss, um, throughout via email. And I said, and she said, okay, there's a training that you need to attend. Um, and there are, there's a training being offered to the two days that are the last two days of your maternity leave, or there's a training being offered way in the future. And she was like, you can do whatever you want, but this training will be so beneficial to you because we were really changing the focus of the treatment that we were providing. It happened literally the last day of my, um, of working, they were closing our ER and we were becoming a forensic facility. And so it was imperative that I received this training because I had no experience whatsoever. And I wasn't part of any of the training time that they had spent because it was all my maternity leave. So she said, you can go to this training, you know, and if you want to just, you know, come for those parts of the day or whatever. And then I just decided, what if I just come back then and maternity leave is over and I just take in this training. And then it's only two days. My first, my first week back would only be two days, kind of get the lay of the land, see how things go, figure out a pumping schedule, figure out how drop-off's going to look, figure out all of that. Um, and then, you know, revamp for the weekend and then start back fresh on Monday. And I thought that that was the best way to ease myself back in. So that's what I ended up doing. So all in all, I ended up only taking like 
seven weeks and three days or something like wow, that. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. as yeah. somebody that took three entire months, I admire the fact that you were feeling ready to jump back in <laughs> after that short of a time. Yeah. So how, how was it for you emotionally going back to work at that point? If, if I would have been asked like the beginning of my the beginning of my pregnancy, the end of my pregnancy, and even the beginning of my maternity leave, I would have said, I'm so ready to go back. I can't wait. But you spend that time with that infant and you bond and you, um, you, you are literally, especially, especially if you're breastfeeding, you really do feel like you are the like sole provider for that child. You're, you, you're like number one for so long. Um, that, I was so panicked. I just felt like no one was going to be able to do what I was doing. And I cried all day long the last, the last few days, just cried so hard that like, he's just not going to know what to do. He's just a baby. And I can't say that it ever crossed my mind. Like, I'm absolutely not doing this. I'm not, I'm not going back, but I was just like, how can people make this choice? How can people make this decision? Like, how do women do this every single day? Like, you know, they're my, my mom worked. I know lots of moms that worked and went back and like, how did no, no one told me how hard this was going to be. Or maybe they did. And I didn't listen, but like, it was, it was really hard. I'm like, I try to be so, so, so supportive of, of women as they return to work after maternity leave, because I just know how fragile I was in that moment. Yes. And you're right. It's something that you don't comprehend until you're in that situation. Yeah. And and yeah, now I'm I'm the exact same way. I have so much sympathy for for those women that are going back. And I just yeah. um, one of the families that attends my early childhood class, the mom emailed me and said, "I just wanted to let you know I'm not going to be here tomorrow because I'm going back to work and I'm so emotional." And I said, oh. "Don't you even worry about it. I know exactly I how you feel." Yep. Yep. Right, right. It is not an easy thing at all, especially, you know, so soon. Eight weeks is not long in the long yes. run. So. It isn't. It really isn't. I mean, in 12 weeks isn't either. You yeah. know, like when I think about the difference between that, those two, in some ways, 12 weeks would have been harder because at, at that three month stage, oh my gosh, they're so adorable. Yes, and they're, yes. they're interacting with you and they're, they're happy. And a lot of times they're sleeping and like, they're, you know, you, it's just such a cool and new relationship. And when I look back and I think about, you know, the whole span of infant, infanthood, I would definitely say that that month three was like one of my favorite times. And to leave during that time, it would be just as hard except that like, then you've got all that extra time with your kids. So it's always going to be, I think, so difficult to leave. And I think that what I always try to tell new moms who are asking me about that is I say, it's re- that day is really, really hard and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's just going to be awful. But it does get easier day by day. You do it little by little and slowly like it just becomes how it was. You know, you forget that You're that exactly was. exactly right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think part of it is when you return to work, especially if you do work that you're really passionate about and that you love, yes. that lets you become yourself more yes. than more than you feel like yourself after you have a baby. I know that for me, it took a long time to kind of return to who I was before I had a baby and before becoming a mom. And yeah. work was one of the ways that I was able to kind of reclaim that part of myself. Absolutely. And I, this is how I said it. And I said it to someone recently who doesn't have children. And so she, um, she was like, I really love that because I've never heard someone say it like that to me. Um, when we were talking about how you make that decision, how you decide like, okay, I'm, I'm going to split my life or like, 
my career does mean enough to me that I'm going to keep doing it, even though I'm a mom now. Um, I think what it what I said to someone who was, um, you know, kind of asking like about like, do you feel comfortable sending your, sending your kid to, you know, a stranger and those kind of things. And I said, I, you know, when I really sit down and think about it to me, having someone else do my job would also feel just as bad. Yes. So that's, that was my baby then. And it, it totally had been my baby for longer. And so to think of handing that over to someone is really just as icky in me, for me as handing your kid over to someone, except that like, I know that the person that I'm hiring to take care of my kid is doing a good job because I, I pay them to do that. And if they're not doing a good job, I'll take them out. But if someone's not doing my job, well, I'll be really upset about it and won't be able to fix that. So oh, I love that. I've never heard it put in those terms. And yeah, that just is so refreshing to hear because yes. I, I feel the same way, especially working in private practice. Yeah. My yeah, business. You own your baby. Right? That is my baby right there. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely was long before I had a child. So totally. I, that's exactly how I felt too. So it's, really nice to hear another mom say that. And I think that you probably would also agree that I kind of call it like, it's like the Grinch factor that like your heart grew three times the size that day that, that it just all fits in now. Like I promise I love my, I love my job just as much as I always did. I, I get as much passion and energy and strength from it, but now I also get this great passion and energy and strength from my kid and it all fits in there. It's, it's, it's all in there. It's yes. nothing, nothing went away. Yeah, exactly. So did you need to make any changes to your career at all in order to balance everything? Um, well, I think that the biggest thing was that I, um, you know, that I stopped pursuing my master's at that point. Um, that was a, um, a really difficult decision. I knew it was something that I couldn't necessarily do um, at the same time as – I knew I couldn't – I was pumping four times a day – I was like, how am I going to add another pumping session? Or right. am I really going to spend all this time? Like then I'm, then it's really the pendulum swinging where I'm, I'm spending less time with my child than I am pursuing career things. Um, and so since uh, Maryville offers this wonderful program where you can get your master's degree through night classes um, and it's set up for working professionals, it's such a great program. Um, and I was loving it, but it was like, it's not really for working professionals who also have an infant at home. No, <laughs> that was what I no especially so, when you're breastfeeding, because yeah. that's another full-time job right there. It really is. Mm -hmm. It really is. And like, and I, I, I definitely, that was such a big, big, nice part of my day, like going home, settling in on the couch and like, just really like, you know, that snuggle time with my baby was such an important thing for me. And so to like also give that up did feel like something that was a little, that was my limit. Um, I like that Janice talked about that. You had to, you have to know your limits. That was my limit. Um, and so I, um, I basically talked to um, the professors there who are awesome and very supportive and all, you know, family, family ladies themselves. And I said, I'm probably not going to come back this year. I'm looking more at like next summer restarting. And they were so supportive and told me how to do all of that. Of course, none of us knew at the time that I wouldn't ever be making good on that because I would be moving, but um, it was such a, such a supportive environment. Um, But I think that that, you know, I still haven't gone back to school. Um, And so when you think about that, it's like, I wonder if they knew when I said, I'm going to take a year off. They're like, Ooh, lady, you're going to take so much more time. <laughs> off." Well, you never know until you just kind of see how your life unfolds. So exactly. And exactly. a lot of times you just don't have control over it. Right. Exactly. And it's not, it's not that it's not still a goal. It's still a goal. It's just, 
you know, there are other goals too mm-hmm. now. So Yeah. One thing that um, I like to always keep in mind is something that my friend Kimberly Senna Moore said, uh-huh. and she's another music therapist. She said, as a mom, as a working mom, you can do everything you want to do. It just will take longer. And I love that because <laughs> yeah. it almost gives you permission to just, you True. know, live your life and not worry about trying to do everything at once the way Absolutely. that so many of us want to do, but just <laughs> can't feasibly do. That's so true. And I have friends who have the master's. I have a friend that has like an MBA. She has her law degree. She's got a great job. When we talk, she talks about how sad she is that she hasn't had a, had a child or gotten married yet. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? You have two master's degrees. Are you joking? Like, I'm so jealous of you. So really it's, I mean, there's, you're always going to be able to do as much as you can do and probably be happy in, in exactly. where you are at. Exactly. The grass is always going to look a little greener, but you can water right. your own too. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So how do you feel like you've been affected as a music therapist since becoming a mom? Do you feel like you've changed or evolved in any way? Well, I think that one of the things is that, um, you know, being connected with children all the time, really, especially with what I do, gives you like a wealth of repertoire. <laughs> like you always know when a kid, when a kid starts requesting um, you know, a certain cartoon or something like that, you actually know what they're talking about. Yes. Um, like I finally, the light bulb went on the other day that one of my kids was like, frequently I sing a, one cleanup song, but he was singing a different cleanup song. And I'm like, I don't know his cleanup song. I need to learn that. And it was on Daniel Tiger's neighborhood the next day. And I'm like, oh, oh, funny. Oh, okay. So, but that's the thing is like, if I didn't have a kid in my house, I probably wouldn't know about that stuff. So I think that's a big thing is um, just kind of being up on like what's new and what kids like. Um, I think the biggest thing that is, um, I'm actually in the process of writing a blog post for our school about this, um, in the commonalities that parents share, no matter what you're dealing with in your life, whether it be a a child with special needs or just, you know, just a regular old kid who, um, you know, just has needs because they're a kid. Um, the, I was thinking about every parent really wants to hear, um, about their child in a very supportive and understanding and empathetic way. Um, and I think that being a parent really gives you that language of knowing, like, I'm going to tell you news about your kid that's probably going to be upsetting, but I'm also going to really be able to tell you, A, how I'm going to help you, B, how you, can, how you can help me and how you can do work on this at home and see that, like, I genuinely and truly and empathetically care about your kid as well. Um, and I think that's, a huge perspective that I get from being a parent. And I remember, um, getting feedback from, uh, my supervisors, like you really know how to talk to parents about their kids. And I'm like, yeah, because I know how I want people to talk to me about my kid. Yeah. That's so, such a great point huge. because mm-hmm. you just have a completely different perspective as a parent than you did as, you know, even the best therapist, if you haven't been in the shoes of another parent, you know, you just don't realize how, they might be feeling or how, you know, you can talk to them on, on their level like that. Yes. So what do you feel like are your biggest challenges when it comes to being a working mom? Um, well, balance that, that seems like pretty obvious since that's what this whole podcast is dedicated to and what every mom will ever tell you, Right. Um, you know, making sure that there's the same amount in column A being work and the same amount in column B being home and, um, not letting that bleed over too much into one another. I think that's a big thing. Um, 
that's, you know, hard. I think the, the number of hours in a day, um, and just the nuances of like getting a child to where they need to go so that you can get to where you need to go and then pick them up at the end of the day. Um, you know, sometimes when I think about the number of hours my kid spends in, um, you know, at his preschool, I'm like, I just always feel this little twinge of guilt. Um, for instance, yesterday I went to, um, a field trip with my kids that my son would have loved to go on, but he wasn't there. And so there's that, you know, there's that just twinge of guilt. Like we're not going to take you to this thing. Um, and yeah, I think that that's, there's, there's just going to be this guilt. I also think that, um, you know, sometimes there's just an outsider's perspective of what you do and how you do it. And, um, you know, that people don't understand how you can, um, make that choice. And that'll always be a force that's working against you and kind of makes you, I don't know, for me, it always makes me feel like down and bad about what I'm doing, even though I can name 100,000 reasons why my kid is so, so happy because I'm a working mom, but there's always going to be that, that naysayer that says like, um, you know, Oh, I, you know, I don't work. I'm just a mom. Right. (laughs) Well, I work, I work and I'm a mom. Like I I swear I do both. Like he doesn't walk into daycare and find a new mom. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, that's always, I just always think that's a really interesting comment. Um, so I think that that's one that's, that's hard for me. And then I think one thing that sometimes goes by the wayside, um, and my husband and I are always, always working on it is, you know, this whole time I've been talking about work and my kid, but like, then there's this other person, my husband. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> whole marriage wanna, thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> trying to make, trying to make that, you know, like we, we're having a rare date night tonight. Like those things, finding time to schedule that in is so, so important, but yes. it's so hard. It is. Um, Cause both, uh, quite honestly, both of us would love to just like crash on the couch with net- Netflix, oh, you yeah, know, with I'm James. Right there with, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Which is, and, and that's a great date. Like if, if you're making time for that too, that's awesome. Um, but like, sometimes dressing up for each other and, you know, like going out. I think that that's, you know, huge. And when we get those rare opportunities, we take them. That's, I think that's a really, yeah, really tricky part. It, it's tricky, but you're right. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on the flip side, what are the most fulfilling aspects for you of being a working mom? Oh, um, I feel like I could talk about this forever. <laughs> well, I think one thing for us is, you know, we are a two income family in the, in the way that like, we have to be, I, I took out a lot of student loans to finish my degree. So if I stopped working, I would not only be, you know, not using the, um, the degree that I owe a lot of debt to literally and figuratively, but that I, I don't know that how we could actually make that happen. So, um, there would be a lot of sacrifices along the way. And so, um, honestly, the smallest part of it should always be the financial stability, but that does really keep some, some stress off of us that I'm not staring at these bills for us, for a you know, school time that I didn't use and feeling a lot of like stress and guilt and resentment and stuff about that. So I think, I do think that that's something that doesn't get said enough that like, sometimes it's easier to have just like a little bit more money coming in all the time. And, um, the other thing is that, um, I think that I am, um, a little bit better at saying no and being more selfish with my time because I'm, um, a working mom, because I really do need to prioritize things constantly. Absolutely. All the time. I have to know, like, where does this really rank? Um, and I think that like, if there was only one of one or the other, you might find yourself not doing what you want to be doing. Um, 
frequently. So I think that that's, um, I think that that's a huge thing. I also say that my favorite part, this is what I always tell all the moms that are going back to work that are having such a hard time is that the hug at the end of the day is the best hug. Uh, <laughs> like yes, that's the, yes. the, when you pick them up, it's the best hug. So oh, like, I, agree. I, I literally, I literally fight with my husband. Like I get to pick him up today. I need the good hug. I need the good <laughs> hug. So <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's, um, a small one, but it's a, it's a important one. Yeah. Uh, and I think, uh, a really close friend of mine, she and I, we actually talked a little bit about the fact that I was going to be coming on the podcast and I, um, was telling her some of my thoughts and she said, um, I think that something that someone told me once is that your kids have to know that someone else can take care of them because it would be really terrifying if in this world they thought there was only one person or two people with their best interests in mind. Um, and so to make, for them to be able to make these connections with other people and learn to grow and trust people that are good, um, and, and that could be their classmates or their teachers or just someone that they happen to, you know, come across because they're in school. Um, that's, that's so, so cool and so important. So giving them this, um, this opportunity. And we, we did, we chose a school that has this amazing curriculum because quite frankly, I'm a music therapist, but a teacher, I am not like I, I would miss so much if I, if I wasn't able to give my kid this education, which does mean that I'm working full time to provide it. Yeah, exactly. I I kind of went through that struggle myself, but Mm. now when I see, you know, I read the newsletters every day that are emailed to us from, from my son's school and see all of the different experiences that he's having and yeah. even something as simple as all the different foods that he's eating. Um, yes. It's just, it makes me feel like, okay, you know what? I would not be able to, to provide this opportunity for him if yeah. I was at home with him right now. So that alone okay. is, is huge for me and kind yes. of relieves some of that guilt that you were talking about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's always present, but I can push it back exactly, a little more Exactly. So what do you do for yourself to take care of, of your own you know, well-being and give yourself some, some freedom from being a mom and from being a music therapist? Yeah. Um, I love to cook. Um, and I didn't always, and I wasn't always very good at it. But when we moved here, I'm like, I need to start cooking meals for my family. I think that that is such a healthy way um, to live your life, to sit down, eat dinner together, something that you cooked something that you know what the ingredients that went into it is, like that kind of thing. It's so big. That was how my mom raised us. I really, really wanted to be like that. Um, And so no matter what, um, even if, you know, I'm working a little later or, you know, whatever, I I always really want to be the one that's cooking dinner for everybody. And so um, that is a huge stress reliever for me. And you can ask my husband, I don't even take off my shoes or my coat before I'm getting out the cutting board or putting a pot of water to boil when I get home. Cause I want us to eat at a reasonable time. And I really, really love that time to kind of de-stress. And it's when my husband and I talk, you know, I'm chopping vegetables and looking at recipes and, you know, um, our son's like usually sitting or sometimes being involved in the conversation. And lately he's been helping me like peel carrots and that kind of stuff. And so that's such a big part of de-stress for me. Like I think, um, something about the, the way that I do it just is organizing. And then, um, I'm also a huge reader, but I uh, kind of have a rule that I only read for fun. <laughs> so the problem is, is that I don't get, I don't always get as caught up as the, in the journals that I'd like to do, or like, you know, read, read like new, um, you know, new techniques and things that are coming out. But I do really enjoy the fact that like, I can pick up something that is a little bit mindless or just funny or 
interesting and let my, let my thoughts be gone. I, I love podcasts. That's another thing that I do for, for me for fun is on the way home. I usually don't listen to music. I like to kind of shut out the noise a little bit and I listen to a podcast. Yes, um, me, too. me too. I think it's so, so, so good. And I have like several favorites that I almost know what mood I'm in. Like, okay, today it seems like, uh, you know, this American life day or whatever it is, you know, yeah. you know, that I just know like, what I, what I really want to listen to. Um, what are, what are some podcasts? Is, if you don't mind sharing, what are some I that you really like? To. Yeah. yeah. Well, this one went to the top of my list for sure. Oh. I'm like, well, <laughs> music therapy and moms, that's me. I swear I could have like, I, I would have put those search terms in if I would have thought about it. Um, I love, I do love this American life. I think I became really, uh, really into it when we moved here because it's run out of Chicago. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. And so I was like, so when This American Life came out, of course, I was really big on cereal. Oh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, you know, definitely listened to every episode like it, like the minute it came oh, out. Me too. Um, and then um, one of my favorites is um, run by um, my friend Tyler, who works with me um, and his friend Andrea. And they, um, it's called the Urban Therapist Podcast. Oh, and it's yeah. awesome. They're both music therapists, but they talk about like everything. And I think that that's, I think that's really cool. Like they, um, they'll talk about like, sometimes she'll, she'll share a recipe that she's doing, or Tyler will talk about like his, um, tennis club that he plays with and things like that. And what I love about it is, um, Andrea is a mom. Um, Tyler, Tyler is not, um, and I think that they really do help you think about how to balance career and life in general. Um, that like not every podcast is totally about music therapy. It, there's always a lot of music therapy, cool stuff on it, but there's also this other stuff, which is just so cool. I love that. Cause I get to, I get to like, not feel so bad that I'm listening to a podcast. that's about fun stuff that interests me because there's a little bit of like professional yeah, development. Yeah, in it there. Counts, it counts. <laughs> totally. It totally counts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are some of my favorites that I awesome. listen to all the time. Very yeah. The cool. Nerdist and Freakonomics, I, I catch those fr- from time to time, but I think, yeah, those are the ones that like the minute they come out, I'm like, oh, I got to watch it. So Nice. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for sharing those. Yeah, of course. Of course. So I feel like you've given so much amazing advice throughout this entire <laughs> show. I'm like, I want to just sit down and take notes when I go back and edit the show. But um, do you Thank have, you. yeah, yeah. Do you have any other pieces of advice maybe for a fellow therapist who is either thinking about starting a family or is pregnant or just became a new mom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, those are, I think, I, this is what I tell everybody. I tell this to absolutely everyone, no matter what their age or their situation or what they're doing in life, but you get one life and you have to live it your way. So if this is the way you're going to do it, do it. And, and it's, it's yours. It's yours to do it. Let, let no one tell you how to do this right. Um, Cause there isn't the right way. Like this is, I think that that's the most important advice anyone can, can take is just live your life. Cause one day you'll look back and go, Oh, I wish we would have had a kid then. Or you'll look back and go, Oh, we started too early, but you can't know until you know. So just do it. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's no, there's no right time. And there really isn't. I think Janet, Janice and I talked about that on her episode and Tamara yes. and I talked about that on her episode. Oh and yes. It's you will never so be prepared ever. No, as, as much as you think you're prepared, you, it, everything just goes out the window and you start oh, over yes. again. Oh yeah. And I, and honestly, that is not a cautionary thing. That is just in, it, it is in the best way yeah. that is yeah. it like it's, 
it's just beyond words and everyone's experience is going to be so different. So, you know, I think definitely also stay connected during that time. You know, don't let yourself be isolated. Find, you know, find people to talk to about how you're feeling and all those transitions and stuff like that. Cause I think that's a big part of, of making that transition into like doing both. Yeah. 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 Having those people that you can, you know, send a quick text or a quick Facebook message, especially, you know, somebody that, that works in your field. If you have a friend that's, also a music therapist or some related, you know, type of career, even just a working mom um, that's been where you are now, that can be so helpful. Yes. Yes. And just help you stay sane emotionally too. Totally. Totally. I think I was like the night before I went back from my maternity leave, I'm texting my friend who worked where I was working. How many bottles did you bring for your pump? (laughs) So like whatever it is, like absolutely stay connected. (laughs) Exactly. And there's no topic really that's off limits for other moms because we've all been there and we've all done that. Oh yeah. I've never, I've never been off put by a single question. No, me neither. Me neither. (laughs) So do you have any music therapy related projects or news that you want to share? Um, I, one of the coolest things that I've gotten to do at my school, and this is why I said I found my place in the sun when I moved there is, um, last year I, it was actually two years ago that I brought the idea, but I said I wanted to do a musical involving every student in our elementary school. Um, and no one, um, at least said out loud that they thought I was crazy. They just let me go with it. And, um, we did our first musical. It was the first one ever performed with every student in elementary. So this is 80 students with autism performing one musical. Um, and it wasn't a skit. It was a, you know, little skits or a talent show. It was, we did a musical with a script and everything. Um, and it was so well received and we got to do the coolest stuff with these kids. We had children with devices, with devices saying lines, and we had kids working on their articulation goals through singing and such cool stuff that we got to do. Um, and so the first question I was asked once the musical was finished was, when are you doing another one? <laughs> so uh, we've, we've just rolled out that musical. And so we're starting and we're going to perform it in May for all of our parents. Um, and we're doing um, the musical The Little Red Hen, which is one of my favorite stories. Um, and so that is our big our big project and the big thing that we're working on right now. Oh, my gosh. I can only imagine how just amazing that must be for you to be able to Absolutely. go from start to finish with that process and see the, the final product. Yes. Wow. When I got home that night, like the whole day, I'd pretty much kept it together. And I got home that night and just burst into tears, <laughs> happy tears, very oh, happy yeah, tears. Yeah. But it was like... I couldn't believe it. We did it. So I like, I just can't wait to see it happen again. That's awesome. Well, yeah. good luck. I can't wait to hear how it turns out. Yes. All right. Well, I have one more question for you. Great. Do you have any favorite products or books or resources related to either music therapy or motherhood or both that you could share with the listeners? I do. So music therapy, um, I'm going to say to your listeners, Rachel did not ask me to say this at all. Definitely listenlearnmusic.com. The first website I go to whenever somebody wants, wants some advice, that is 100% the truth. I, I, uh, I've supervised interns and I've, um, I mentor a couple of music therapists that are new to the field and, that was the first website I gave them. That's true. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Rachel did not ask me to I say did that. not. I did not pay <laughs> Amanda, not. I promise. <laughs> By the way, plug my plug my thing. Right. <laughs> no. Um and then um the other thing that um the other uh, music therapy um products that I'm loving and I actually had to cancel my subscription cuz we're trying to save some money right now. We're taking our son to Disney this year and oh, so fun. We're like we're kind of like cutting a few like 
unnecessary corners was um, the music therapy mailings box. I was getting that. It's so cool. You get like all these little things, little ideas, instruments, um, you know, manipulative. So, so much cool stuff. I love that. And that's from Rachel C. um, Who's a friend of a friend as well. But I found her, I don't know, through some social media and it, I love that product. So music therapy, those are really great. And I I will post a link to that and you'll already be on my website if you're looking at the show notes. So yes, you better. And then um, for moms, um, I really like, I like blogs that are really funny. Um, I, I like, um, people who talk about motherhood with kind of like, you know, um, a little tongue in cheek. I enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, so I think, um, uh, mommy shorts is one that I really <gasps> That's love. My favorite. Yeah, she's the best. Alana is awesome. Yes. And I've been featured on there a couple of times. So have you um, really? I, yes. It, yeah. New mom on the blog has, has been. So I would say that, you know, that's one. Oh my uh, gosh. That's you're so, famous. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I always like the, the, there was the in, most interesting baby in the world meme that she started. Uh-huh. I gave her her first caption. So oh, I always wow. like to call that. Yeah. But she, she gave me plenty of credit. Um, and then, um, she, um, so that's a good one. And, um, there's a bunch of ones that are really connected to Alana. Like I like beer and babies and, um, rants from mommy land and a bunch of ones that, um, you know, I kind of found through doing mommy, through, through seeing mommy shorts. So that's, those are all really great. And then recently I read, um, Amy Poehler's book. Yes, please. Yes, and I think too. that's such a good book for a mom to read. Cause I think she talks about that a lot and that I read it right around the new year. And I decided that my motto for the year would be good for you, not for me. Not for me. Right. Yes. And Love so it. like, that's, she talks about that a lot. And I, I think that we would embrace each other so much and moms, women, people in general, if we said that's good for you, it's not for me. And we're going to move on from there. So, um, that definitely read that book too. If yeah. You, if you're good call. People. Good call. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for thank you. This, being on the podcast. I feel like I've been chatting with my best friend for the last 45 <laughs> minutes. So oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Amanda a message, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at new mom on the blog. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at listenlearnmusic.com slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe either on iTunes or Stitcher so you don't miss an episode.